0: Welcome to this King's Church Talk. We hope that you really enjoy it. If
1: you have any questions, please email us on admin at kingscc.org or you can go to the website www.kingscc.org. Thank you. Just to start with, I'd like to um, pick up a little bit on what Roger said last week when he was talking about worship and setting the scene about us going over what our values are as a church again. And one thing that he said was that wor- when we worship, to worship something is to give worth to it. So when something, so the word worth means when something is sufficiently important to be treated in a, or regarded in a particular way, or um, we give th- th- an equivalent value to whatever it is. So we're really good at putting prices on things. Um It could be that there is a beautiful piece of jewelry, like a diamond or something like that, that's got something in there. And we give that particular item a value. We can say how much it's worth, depending on the size of it, how it's graded, it's cut. Or maybe we give value to a sports team, like a monetary value to a sports team, depending on how high they make it up um, in a particular league that they're playing in, or if, however many goals they score or do something like that or something about what they do we're really good at giving worth to things but when we worship God God is not someone God is not an object God is not someone who we can give worth to in Psalms it says in Psalm 145 it says great is the Lord and most worthy of praise his greatness no one can fathom and, in a few other versions, it says, "There are no boundaries to his greatness. No one can understand how great he is. We cannot give value. we cannot put a value on God. His value is limitless. Therefore, the worship that we give him is limitless. There's never going to be a cap. there's never oh, thank you, God, we've worshipped you enough today that's what you'- that's what you deserve. We will carry on with what we're doing um God has designed us to worship him in absolutely everything that we do because he, that is what he is worth. There is, no, there is no top level to the amount that we can give him or the amount of worship. He's made the earth to worship him. Everything that he has made worships him naturally, and we are the same. But because I think we put a limit on everything else or a value on everything else, it's really easy to think that actually God is the same, Or we treat him in the same way. But actually, the praise that he is due goes on forever. So I thought it would be good to start. It's important to understand that, and then also to see just how privileged we are and how undeserving we are of actually being in his presence and worshipping him in the way that we do, for us to be able to hear his voice. The people that shared this morning, God spoke to them and the fact that he has spoken directly to them, or we can listen to him, is just unbelievable. And we don't deserve it, we shouldn't, it shouldn't be happening, but it's incredible. And people coming and worshipping in this setting, it's not always been like this. Um, so I thought we would have a little look at what it used to be like. There's lots and lots of examples all the way through the Bible. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament of people worshipping God, we are not short on examples of people crying out to God or singing his praises or bringing things before him. Um, There's entire books dedicated to it in various ways. There's so many different ways of doing it. There's so many different examples of people doing it in different situations. However... In the Old Testament, it was actually only a very few people who were allowed to come before him and bring him an offering of some kind. Um, so offerings for when th- the different sins that we committed or the different things that people did wrong, there was a value put on all of those. God laid that out. Um, but actually, it was only a certain few people who were allowed to come into the temple and bring those offerings before God. On behalf of all of the people, so first of all, there were the priests. they were allowed to come into the central part of the tent of the temple, they took care of the temple, and they were responsible for performing the sacrifices that they needed to pay for israel 's offenses, for the peoples of god 's offenses, for what they did. They were human, they got things wrong, they got things quite spectacularly wrong at times, and um, God made it possible for him to still dwell with them by them performing these sacrifices. Um, We're going to spend quite a lot of time looking at Hebrews 9 today. So if if you've got a Bible with you or on your phone and you want to find that, we're going to dip in and out of Hebrews 9. Um, But to start with, I'm going to read through to verse 6. So now, even the first covenant, which was um, the law that God gave to Moses, had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared. For the first section in which there was a lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence, it's called the holy place. And behind a second curtain was a second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenants covered on all sides with gold in which was a golden urn holding the manor and Aaron's staff that budded and the tablets of the covenants. Above it with a cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. But of these things we cannot now speak in detail. That's one of my favorite favourite sentences, I think, in the Bible. In another version it says, but we can't discuss these things in detail right now after he's just given that detail. I know there was a lot more. These preparations, having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section performing their ritual duties. So they go into their, into that first section of the tent to look after it, to carry out the ministry on behalf of um, all of the tribe of Israel. They were responsible for and gave gifts to God from the people. And they did this regularly throughout the year. And they looked after um, the temple daily. They couldn't go out. That was their job. That was their lifetime role, which they were dedicated to. They couldn't go out and earn money. They couldn't go out and grow food or rear animals or provide for themselves because they were dedicated, their entire life were dedicated to that job. And basically, if you were born into that section of the tribe, that was your role. You didn't have have a choice in that. God set aside those people for that job. And in response to that, because God had asked that of them, he provided for them. So he laid out very specific amounts of what people gave that actually also provided for the priests because they didn't have that option. They were the only ones who could do that. So those were the general general priests. But then there was one other guy who was the high priest. And he was the overseer. He was the person that people would come to when they wanted to know what the will of God was. He was the only person at all who was allowed into the most holy place who was allowed into that central part of the temple god is so holy god is so pure that we can't really understand how just how pure he is there is nothing there is nothing about us there is nothing about like his creation in the way that we look after it now that can be near him because he is so pure. Because if we were, then he would no longer be that pure. He is just perfect in every way. And then we I know we use that word a lot. We use the word perfect a lot to describe lots of different things about people or how something looks. But actually, we don't really have an understanding of what perfection is because we can't. We can't we can't understand it. It's like at the beginning where it says in the psalm where it, where that I read out, we, c- we can't understand how great he is. We can try, but we will never get there um, until we see him. And even then, then we won't fully see everything about him because he is God. And that's just amazing. But he set aside a particular place where he dwelled with his people, where he was always with them and allowed this high priest to come before him um, once a year into his presence. A little bit later in Hebrews 9 it says, but the only high pri- only the high priest entered the inner room and that only once a year and never without blood, the sacrifice which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people that the people had committed in ignorance. So even these rituals and this yearly sacrifice he performed were to keep the people's consciences clear before God and to, keep, to, to clean them, to sanctify them outwardly so they could continue to be his people, to continue to live with him. Um, but nothing that, even in that, that, that sacrifice that God asked for, it cleansed them, Before God, but He never made them holy enough to be able to go into that room or come into His presence. It was actually an example of what God was going to do, and He needed to demonstrate just how important it was um, and how important His presence was. Can we have the Jeremiah one up, please? In Jeremiah 31. God speaks to Jeremiah and he says, The days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law on their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So in the past, the prophets and the priests and the teachers will be the ones who would know about God and they would be the ones who would share what was on God's heart or what he was saying or bring understanding to what had been written in the past about God. But God is saying, I want to write that on their hearts. I want these people are my people and I want them to know me. I don't want to be separated from them. That's never what I intended. So if that was the example um that God gave for us and that God laid out. It's really great because we get to see what the, the result was. And what came next was Jesus. And the sacrifice of Jesus just changed everything. When Jesus died on the cross, in Matthew it says, and when he cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit, and at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The temple curtain tore fully; it didn't just rip. And this this curtain that divided the holy place from the most holy place, that divided those two rooms, um, that contained God's presence as such, was about like forty five to sixty foot high. So it wasn't, it wasn't just, it wasn't even like one of these curtains. Um we're kind of talking four times as high. Um it is not something that a person could have ripped. This was enormous. Nobody was allowed near it, let alone to touch it or to go through. And by by tearing this curtain when Jesus died, God is showing that actually the ultimate sacrifice has been made. There is no need for him to divide himself from us anymore because that ultimate price has been paid. He was no longer going to contain himself in the Holy of Holies. Like His earthly presence was no longer going to be be contained in that room. And there was actually only ever going to be, even though he gave permission for all the sacrifices to take place in the old testament um, there was only ever going to be one that was going to be pure enough There was only ever going to be one that was going to make that difference and cover everything and that was himself that was him sending part of his self to do that jesus became our high priest Always in that role, not just once a year, always in that role from now on. And not in an earthly temple, but in a heavenly temple. Um, If you bring the Hebrews one back up again. From verse 11 it says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have now come, then... Through the greater and more perfect tent, not one made with hands, that is, not one of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a heifer sanctify them, For the purification of flesh, so outwardly, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, a new agreement with God, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. He has died as a ransom to set us free, to set everybody who believes in him free, so that we now can meet with God. God no longer divides himself from us. Now that Jesus lives in us, since God sent us the Holy Spirit, we are the temple. We are that place where God lives. God has made his most holy of holies in us, which is just, just incredible. Um, in, Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians it says, Do you, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst?" We are the living stones. We are literally the building blocks of God's temple now because he has chosen to do that. It's only him. It's only because of him. Um, Have you got the Ephesians verses up? Thank you. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So everything that happened beforehand is still important and laid the foundation, that example was there. We needed to know that so that we fully understand now what God has done. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Jesus is now the high priest and we are now the temple and we've been built together into a dwelling place for God in the spirit. Beforehand, the temple was a place where worship took place. The temple was a place where the priest came before God on behalf of everybody, where God was honored. And as we are now that temple, that is our role. To come together, to build his house, to honor him, to worship him, to give our lives as a sacrifice to him. We don't need to sacrifice in any other way now, but what we have, we still give. And to meet with him, and to learn from him, and to grow together. It's by his grace now that we have a personal relationship with him. It's not a private relationship with him, it's a personal relationship with him. And as part of that relationship with him, this is the role that he gives us to be a building block, to be a part of a body, a functioning part of a body. And when those blocks aren't there, walls fall down. Or when parts of the body don't work, it affects the whole body. When we come together before God, everything about him is amplified. Because we all understand him in different ways. We all understand different aspects of God better. But in that way, we see different parts of him in other people. So we hear from him in different ways. We reflect different parts of who he is in different ways. Because we are restricted to this part of our of who we are and God has different roles for us all but actually we need the other people in this body in this wall in this temple to understand God better and to be used by him better and this strengthens us we share the spiritual gifts that he gives us for the building up of his church and for his glory we grow into his living temple by worshipping together, by being together, by spending time with him um, individually and together. I'm just going to come to the end of the bit before handing over to Chris. Tim Keller says, you will never know God as he is unless you are in a worshipping community. We We will never know God as he is on this earth fully, but we will know more of him when we are worshipping community together. The person that we are and the things that make us us impact how we view God, how we worship him, how we interact with him, how we talk about him, how we reflect him. And in the same way, Gail does that in a totally different way to I do, and Marion does, and Manuel does. We all do it totally differently, but because of that, we get to see more of God, We get to know him better. We get to understand him more. We get to glorify him more. We are limited in the way that we can give, we can worship God in who we are, in our own being, in the way that we are made, in our own fears, in the way that we talk. We are limited in that. But actually, when we come together, we can do that so much better. We can do that. We can give God so much more glory. We can give him so much more worth and honor that. There is always, there is so much more. In Psalm 95, it says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his, hands are fo- and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture. The sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice next slide that that's fine there's an extra sentence there that's fine um we are his people and not only are we his people now we are his people who get to come before him we are his people and he lives in us and there is no limit to the glory that he deserves not just because of that, but just to the glory that he deserves because he is God.
0: Rebecca, that was amazing. and It's great to remind ourselves of the background and then to see where we are today. Now, I have a confession to make. I've made a bit of a mistake. <coughs> Paul sends out the schedule for the preaching schedule and I read it that I was going to do personal Sacrifice and worship. So I came last Sunday and sat over there, different place. And we sat over there and Roger was speaking and uh, he said, Turn to Romans chapter twelve, verse one and two. And I thought, that's funny, that's what I'm gonna do next week. Because I always prepare a little early, you see. And, uh, and then he started speaking and I thought, he's got a hold of my notes. <laughs> what had happened? So I went home and reread the schedule and I thought. And I read that the truth was I was doing corporate worship with Becca. And last week, Roger was doing private, personal worship. And I thought, oh, what do I do now, Lord? Because I've already prepared my notes. And I felt the Lord say to me, Chris, preach it anyway. So if you've heard this last week, (laughs) you can hear it again this week. So if you turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It comes up on the ESV version that I use. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable to God and perfect we've heard just from Becca now that coming together corporate worship, we hear together we come together as a family of God here in Cockermouth and there are hundreds of families thousands of families of God over the nation, and nation's meeting today, coming together corporately to hear from God we also heard that in the Old Testament people went to the temple as individuals and they went to see the priest, and the priest then spoke to the high priest. But they went as individuals and they left as individuals. And as Becker's just explained, that we are now the temple of God. So we don't come as individuals, we are. You all brought the temple of God in with you today because that's who you are. So there's hundreds, oh, I don't know, people here, hundred people, hundred temples of God here. The Spirit lives within us. But many folk today visit other churches and they go in and don't say anything. They do the responses, they follow the service and walk out. And they're not really taking part in the family, in the corporateness that God wants. God wants us to be family and have, have dialogue and, and chat and, and have coffee together and have buns together and just. Just be together. As uh, Christine said, we are all different. But, and we come together in, in one body. Because, But we're all different. We all have different characters and different styles. You see, whether we like it or not, people see God through us, corporately. The other weekend when we were at the North Lakes Half Marathon and we were, some were marshalling, some were making soup, some were doing kids' work, some were... Uh, uh, organizing kids running around the field, people see God in us corporately, and we have to remember that. I know next week, uh, um, Paul and Lucy are going to talk about impact. And you know, we, as a church, we do a lot of impact stuff. We've got the Bridge Cafe, we've got Kraken kiak we do, we help with the um, Dementia Cafe, we do debt handling, we do Sparks Lunches stuff people see God through us when we do that uh, and that's, that, that's the impact but when we gather together clearly the, the presence the manifest, the clear presence of God comes with us and comes together and that's why we get the prophetic word, that's why we get pictures, that's why we get testimony gifts of prophecy, sometimes we get healing. And it's the body coming together corporately. And in Romans 12, we read about our personal worship to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And Roger spoke very well on that last week, so I'm not going to repeat what he said. Just go online and hear it. But there's a little phrase in that the Apostle Paul wrote when he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, comma, holy and acceptable to God. Which is your spiritual worship. Holy and acceptable to God. Just think on that for a moment. What does that mean? Why did Paul put that in? Why didn't he just say, present your bodies as a living sacrifice? Full stop. Why did he put in holy and presentable to God? See, holy means being set apart being separate, different from the rest. But acceptable, acceptable to God. Have you ever ever thought about this? Not acceptable to man. What is expected what is expected of me by others? Or what is acceptable to others? And you may ask yourself, well am I acceptable enough to man? Well, that's not the question. It's, am I acceptable to God? It's not to ourselves. Am I acceptable to myself? Are my standards in line with God's standards? I think I'm doing okay. I think I'm doing okay. I mean, can we actually say that? Does, well, it's what I think. It's not what I think at all. It's what is acceptable to God. What does he think? Not what I think. Considering my circumstances, considering my age and where I was born or whatever, I'm pretty acceptable to man. Yeah, I mean, do do we lower God's standards to meet ours? After all, look at my situation. You could be out of work. You could be... In, a, in a poor health or whatever, whatever the situation you're in. And God certainly understands my situation, so yes, I, I think I'm acceptable to myself. You see, it doesn't say not acceptable or wholly unacceptable to society. Does society make us acceptable? I mean, in the community, in, in the environment where you live, in the office where you work, in the classroom where you go to school in the school gate where you meet your children or wherever you work and find yourself during the day. When you're retired, you go to the golf club, Steve, or wherever. I mean, does society line up and help you become acceptable? My circle of friends, my workmates, what I do and how I behave conforms to what they're expecting of me. Anyway, today you have to go and get what you want, don't you? Don't you have to go out and grab what you want? Come on, it's a, one of these. We live in a society now. You've got up and do it. I, I, I'm going for that. Is that how we think? I can't be doing with all this waiting. I've been waiting for years for a, an answer to prayer. It hasn't come yet. Can't be doing with all this waiting. I'm going to go out and do it myself. Then, is that how we do it? Is that being holy and acceptable to God? See, that's what scripture is asking, well, how can we do this? Because God's ways are so much higher than our ways. How can we be holy and acceptable to God? Well, the good news is, and the good news is this, that he makes us who we are, holy and acceptable to God, and that's, who we are. that's how we are, that's how we live. He has done it for us. What? Yes, he's done it for us. You haven't got to climb up this climbing wall with ropes, etc., to be holy and acceptable. No, you are now holy and acceptable to God. If you have put your faith in Jesus, and he is your Lord and your saviour, you are now holy and acceptable to God. You are more holy and acceptable than the high priest that had to go in and they used to say... Although I don't believe it's scriptural, but they, they used to put a rope round his leg. So when he went into the Holy of Holies, should he, heaven forbid, have a heart attack or something, nobody else could go in. So they would pull him out. Because he was so, it was so, I don't believe that was actually a fact, but it does illustrate how holy that place was. And now, and now you can go in. That curtain was torn from the top to the bottom, not the bottom by man to the top, from the top by God to the bottom. Huge difference. We can go in. This is worship. We can go in and worship. Early in in Romans, um, we can read that we have been made righteous. The fact that God has made us righteous through our faith and belief in Jesus Christ. You might not feel it, you may not feel righteous when you wake up in the morning and it's Monday morning tomorrow and you're going to go to work and it's damp outside and the car's got ice on the windscreen and you might not feel very righteous. And the dog won't come in when you're in a hurry to get it. Come on, come on, come in. And the dog knows you're going out and she won't come in. <laughs> For those of you who've got dogs, I'm sure you understand that. <laughs> I'm going to be late. Come on, Hetty, I'm going to be late. You might not feel righteous. You might not feel very holy. But the truth is you are. You are. It's a once and for all. If you have said, yes, Jesus, I, 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 I come before you and I give my life to you, whew, there's been a huge dynamic change. You have changed kingdoms. From the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, you have changed Kingdoms. So when you become a follower of Jesus, something does change. The Holy Spirit changes us. We individually become temples of the Holy Spirit. It says in Romans 12, verse 2, which I read, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern. Testing? Do we want to be tested? Well, that's what the scripture says. By the testing. Sorry, guys, there's going to be some testing. Maybe you're being tested at the moment. Maybe you've gone through testing. By the testing, you may discern the will of God. It's not just kind of on a platter, on a silver platter, but that's the will of God. Just oh, take, take a candy, like a box of sweets. No, by the testing, you'll discern the will of God hands up who wants to be tested (laughs) but that's what the scripture says by the testing and you will discern discern what a wonderful word not just know but you will discern you will discover it will be revealed to you the discerning what the will of God is and what is good and acceptable and perfect so, when we come together, when individuals come together as we have done this morning, not only do we have a great time worshipping, singing that song, He is good, good, oh, you know, and you might think, hey, yeah, I have, a, I have problems singing that. But when you realize who we are now in Christ, even though we are going through testing, we can sing that because it's the truth. I mean, at the moment, we are, every time you turn the television on, you think, it can't get worse, this chaos that we're in. And yet, we have the word of God. Praise God, thank God that we have the word of God that is the truth, the building block on which we can stand and say, this is true. What a fortunate people we are to be able to say, we know the truth. Not only that, the truth has set us free. It hasn't bound us, no, the truth sets you free. Oh, wonderful. But when we come together corporately, he inhabits our praises as you are individually singing in your little spot. And I was sitting in front of David. David's got a very deep voice when he sings, so and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, do I am I there?" <laughs> but however you sing, in whichever language you choose to sing as well, you are coming together corporately. And just for a moment, look at it from a different angle. Look how God would view that. Look at the, just think of the delight, the pleasure. He sees his people that he gave himself for, standing, worshipping, and enjoying his presence. How he enjoys our presence with him as corporate worship. If you're a visitor here today or you know, you, maybe you're visiting the town and you're on holiday or just visiting today, maybe you have for the first time experienced this presence of God. Maybe you're going to go out and think, well, they're, they're a strange bunch. <laughs> they actually believe Jesus is alive. They actually believe it, not only sing it, they all talk about it. I mean, what a strange bunch. It's great being a strange bunch, isn't it? Isn't it great being a strange bunch? Who wants to be ordinary? No, I don't want to be ordinary. I'm very extraordinary. Weird. We, are, we are people chosen, chosen by God to come together. corporate.